morning, everyone. Tell you what, the Bible class was great this morning, although I was struggling to stay awake. Uh, one thing you should never do as a preacher is take painkillers before you come to preach at the assembly. So if I fall asleep during my sermon and you don't, yeah, this is going to be good, right? Uh, just a couple of announcements. We do have our June and July calendars ready to go. They're out on the table out there. If you'd like to pick one up as you go, that would be great. Uh, tonight's assembly is going to be moved to the Kirkpatrick's place during the month of June, you know, would would be at our place, but we are going to be moving a lot of furniture. Uh, we're going to have our, our uh, old chipped up, ugly uh, floor ripped out, and we're going to put a new one in. So uh, we're not going to be uh, wanting to meet at our place with things all moved around. You have to sit on tables or somewhere, who knows where. So we'll be at the Kirkpatrick's uh, tonight. And uh, for uh, a Bible, for uh, Monday evening assembly for college age, we will be meeting, but we'll be meeting in a barbecue outside. So uh, keep your fingers crossed for no rain, no liquid sunshine, but the real deal kind of sunshine. How's that sound? So with that, any other announcements that I probably need to make? Anybody else have an announcement coming up? All right, here we go. Mr. Johnson, I'm sorry. Eric Johnson, your message was awesome. Tight. There you go. I thought it was a great uh, lesson too. Angie, a little bird said, you are caring for the plants here at the Pleasant Hill building. Is that true? Guilty as charged. Here's another one. Angie, it's always a joy to have you in Bible class. Thank you for putting plants around the building and keeping it fresh and green. Your Sunday spirit is such a blessing to everyone. And I can say amen to that one, too. So there you go. Uh, Mr. Johnson, I like listening to you speak God's word. Max, there you go. The last, the last one is a really a good one. Braxton, thank you for being a willing worker for the Lord. Your smile brings great joy. There you go. That one's for you. All right. Let's give it up for all those good folks. <laughs> That's really, really fantastic. Hey, let's let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 6, once again. And uh, I'm going to get a running start this morning. I want to make sure that I get done. A little embarrassed about... What? Oh, are there? Well, thank you for that announcement. Oh, we got to sing happy birthday to Gabe. Hopefully you're online, Gabe. Uh, Tanya uh, Viegas. I hope you're online, Tanya. And uh, Ken Weiber, your name is on here, man. There you go. So uh, we're going to sing to Ken Weiber. Anybody else got a birthday coming up this week that we might have missed? Anybody else? All right, Mr. Weiber, you're the focus of all of our attention. So let's all turn around and just look at him. And then, <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. All right. You know, I don't want to be morbid, and, and, and this isn't a morbid statement, but, you know, you really need to be mindful and thankful for people that you have in your life, the people in our assembly, because you really don't know the day or the hour for a person to uh, graduate to heaven. And so uh, 
there have been some loved ones recently that have died of COVID that, you know, you don't even think about it. I was with them and enjoyed the time with them, and now they're gone. So I think it's really important that it might be silly that we sing happy birthday, but we're so deeply thankful that God created you, brought you into our lives, and uh, we can serve together. That's really uh, something special. So let's turn our Bibles to the book of Matthew and at chapter 6 this morning. And we're going to read the passage of Scripture uh, where Jesus talks about the, the uselessness of worrying. The uselessness of worrying. Because worry really is a, a, a very deep concern to the Lord. But we know that uh, a lot of people um, are concerned about mental health or well-being. Worry can really tailspin out of control. Uh, anxiety can tailspin out of control uh, into depression. So it's important for us to realize that if God gives us some tools to overcome the anxieties that seem to be coming on the earth in a greater way, it seems of, of late, God's got the answer. So let's take a look. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. For this reason, I'm sorry, we, we started verse 24 last week. Uh, no one can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you'll eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you'll put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not worth much more uh, than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add one single hour uh, to his life? Well, why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field, they grow, they do not toil, they do not spin. And yet I say to you that even... Not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Uh, do not worry then, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all the things uh, all these things for your heavenly father knows that you need all of them but seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you so do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will care for itself each day has its own trouble let's pray father as we we just finish up really quickly by way of review the the two points that we preached last week about worry we pray, Lord God, we're going to finish up strong in regards to taking a look at the priorities in our lives, what I would call the tools that will help us to come overcome anxiety, even in the, the worst of times. And so, Father, we ask this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Now, in your note sheets, if you'll notice, we talked about uh, the nature of worry and anxiety. And you remember one of the key parts that was found in both the Greek and in the Old English uh, um, dictionary by Noah Webster. Uh, anxiety is that which causes distraction. 
a distraction. And in your mind, you're constantly focused. If you're worried now or anxious, you're constantly looking at things that could be or may look like they're going to happen. And I know that for me, that's happened a lot. How many of you here have ever worried before, had anxiety over something, and it did not materialize? Anybody besides me? And you know, we, we spent a lot of time being anxious about, trying to figure out what we can do, and uh, it, it never came to pass. And so where, where uh, Jesus says here about the hour, he says, and uh, who, who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life? As I suggested last week, I think worrying steals time, steals the productivity that we could have with each other and with others uh, working together because we're so focused on a fear of the unknown or a fear that might be legitimate. But with God's help, you're able to be more than a conqueror in those things. And then point number two was uh, this anxiety manifests a lack of trust in the Lord. Well, notice, if you're worried about wealth, you're worried about the stock market, you're worried about all these other things, notice when you do that, what have you actually done? Your focus is over here when your focus needs to be on God. And so it, it, it steals that, that focus. And so it's important for understand that worry, anxiety is real. It does happen. We've all experienced it more than once. There might be something right now that you're worried about. But if you put the Lord first and follow the things that he talks about in the word, then that anxiety is going to be lesser and may completely go away. Well, let's take a look now at point number three, uh, where we did not get to last week. Point number three is build trust in God by focusing on his provision. Focusing on his provision. Now, if we'll go back to this book of Matthew and take a look at verse 33. After saying, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, and what you're going to drink. Don't worry about those physical necessities. God already knows you need them. He knows you need them. And God will provide as you invest yourself in living according to his word. Now, look at verse 33, though. He says, but... Seek first, here's first priority. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now, you know the kingdom is, is the church. And remember, Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, uh, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He talks about his kingdom. May his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom is the church. We should be praying for each other and we should be praying for those who are not yet Christians. Notice that's the focus. But when it says put the kingdom first, what does that mean? How many of you know the Bible says that we should give folks, the brothers and sisters in the church, preference over others? You're saying, well, then you're excluding people outside. No, no, no. God sent Jesus in the world to save the world, amen? And he's using his people now to share the gospel with those people, amen? That's seeking first the kingdom. But it's so important for us to recognize and understand that how are people going to see the beauty of God's family, the beauty of God's love 
manifest in the church if we're not putting the church, the kingdom first. Now, I've had some people say, well, a preacher, a lot of preachers end up putting the church first to the exclusion of their family. And maybe somebody here would be thinking, well, then, okay, I get better just get make sure that I'm doing everything, everything, everything for the church. Well, that's a good point. But at the exclusion of the family, do not do that. Here's why. Those three sons of mine that God gave, those three sons have oftentimes gone with me in Bible, stu Bible studies. I remember we traveled over to Eastern Oregon. Uh, uh, was it, Ryan, you went over at least once, right? And you went over once too. Well, I was going over there to minister to a, a gentleman who was a, who was a manager of that ranch who wanted to know more about the Lord and help his wife become a Christian. And so we traveled all that way and my sons would travel too and we played games and talked and, and then when we got there, they were sitting there right there at the Bible study table uh, in the evenings when we had Bible study. And they got to see the ranch and do all those fun ranch things. Now notice, was I putting the kingdom first to the exclusion of my family? Absolutely not. But include the family. God gave you your sons and daughters as your first disciples. Do you ever think about it that way? Put the kingdom first. Your sons and daughters should be your first disciples. The ones who you, you discipline and train and educate so that they can follow in your, in your footsteps. It's so important. See, and so I know a lot of ministers, sadly, they've lost their families. Why? It's because they thought, well, putting the church first meant family second, church is first. Brethren, might I suggest to you that your family, your kids given to you, they are a part of the body of Christ. So you don't want to raise them up right. Amen? Amen? And so it's not like you're one or the other. It's both together so that all will enter into heaven. That's a super important point. And I would ask you to consider this. When you are seeking and saving the lost, which is one of the most important parts of being in the kingdom, where's your focus? On your problems or helping other people out of their problem of being on the wrong highway? Not the highway to heaven, but the highway to hell. You're looking at them and you're concerned for them and you're trying to pull them out. Now guess what? You're focused on kingdom work. You're not focused on all the challenges and difficulties in your life. That's really true. It really is true. When you're woe is me and woe is my life and, and we can get there. I know that's true. I've been there before too. But as soon as I go out and start reaching out to others and serving them, you know what happens? Those woe are me's are gone because I'm more focused on the other people in their knees. And that is true. If you've ever done that before, you know it works. You know, be more in concerned about others than about yourself. And those worries have a tendency to go away. Now, that doesn't mean you should neglect your responsibilities. Of course not. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, though, is you put other people first, and then your cares and concerns will get smaller or be completely removed. You remember, I love this statement, he who waters others waters himself. As you're serving others, the blessings will come back to you by God. How, when, where? Don't know. But I've seen it over and over and over again in my life and in the lives of others who have served, 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 
and not worried, worried, worried. So seek ye first the kingdom. God's going to take care of you. That's the first priority. Second priority, take a look in the book of Philippians with me, if you would. The book of Philippians in chapter 4. This is a great uh, priority, and I would pray that you would consider it as something that you are going to develop on a daily basis. He says here in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be, no, be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence or anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So priority number two is rejoice always. The word always is actually there in, in the, the scripture, in the Greek. Always means always. Always means always. Can we rejoice in the, the real horrible times uh, in our life? And you may say, well, no, but it's a perspective. Your perspective on that challenge, that difficulty, that trial, that oftentimes is crushing and overwhelming. I don't want to make light of some of the trials that you've gone through or what I've gone through. They're real and they're painful and they're excruciating sometimes. But what I'm saying here and what the scripture is saying is you need to know that God is sovereign and there's a reason that that's happening in your life. Well, what's the reason? It's different for everyone. You know, sometimes we need to learn a hard lesson. And that challenge is coming might challenge us to reevaluate our lives because there might be a big sin in our life that we completely don't see and then all of a sudden, the consequences are coming. You're saying, well, this is terrible. Why is God allowing this to happen to me? He wants you to get to heaven. And so there's a trial that might be going on that the devil wants you in hell and the Lord wants you in heaven. And you're given the opportunity to choose what perspective. The woe is me that's going to put me in a tailspin or is, man, the Lord must think I'm strong enough to handle this. There's a verse that says that. In fact, there's more than one verse that says that. And you know, when you go through trials, you become stronger. If you choose the right perspective. That's why James is not weird when he says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. You know, we could actually absolutely just go, I'm giving up, man. I thought this was all supposed to be just smooth sailing. When they moved into the promised land, the children of Israel, yahoo, we're in the promised land. Some people think that's heaven. The promised land is symbolic of heaven. No, it's not. It's symbolic of the church. Still on earth, still serving. Tell me about those people that crossed the Jordan River. Did they go into a land flowing with milk and honey? Yes, but they had to take that land and get all the evil out of it. And so they were constantly battling 
That's a picture of a baptism, the Jordan River. That's a that's a, a, a picture, a symbol. And you get into the church, and all of a sudden, the devil starts to unload because he has strongholds in your life, and you got to go in, and you got to take that stronghold out of your heart, kick it out of your heart, destroy it through the repentance process. But then you're meeting other people, and all of a sudden, they're in your face because you choosing not to go down to the local watering hole with them or whatever it is you used to do. And then they start to attack. I remember when I first became a Christian, I lost a lot of friends. I wasn't willing to not follow through in following Christ. That was a sad thing, but I was okay with that. We need to rejoice in all things. Why? Because each day is a gift. Each person in your life is a gift. You're saying, well, not all of them. Well, I've said that too, by the way. <laughs> you know, not all of them are a blessing, Bill. Well, the blessing could be is they're helping you to grow to be more patient. You see, <laughs> that's why I never pray for patience. You know, God's more than willing to answer that prayer, right? Okay, But you should pray that you would be more patient with the opportunities that God gives you to grow in patience. It's a different perspective, huh? So we can rejoice in it. Now, look at number three. Look at number three. It says, in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make a request known to God. And what does it say there in verse eight that God will do for you? If you'll pray, be anxious for nothing. But in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And what does he say he's going to do for you? Look at that verse eight once, or verse seven once again. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me suggest something about prayer. It's an act of faith. It's an act of faithfulness. You ever heard somebody say, I believe in the power of prayer. I used to say that all the time too. I don't believe in the power of prayer anymore. Prayer without a trust and dependence upon God and his loving concern for you, you not knowing that, you're just praying to pray. You need to understand that your prayer life is actually communicating with the God of the universe that has the power to do miracles, literal miracles in your life. I've seen it in my own life and I've seen it in some of your lives. Is it a miracle for someone to go from being addicted to whatever garbage in this world that the garbage has to offer to coming and wanting to learn about the Lord and then all of a sudden their lives are transformed before our very eyes. There's a lot of people in this audience, I'm not going to name any of them, but that's been their life. They were in a terrible place, a place where they, they didn't know how to get out of. And they heard or saw someone from the body of Christ or they came out here themselves and they visited and they, they experienced the love of God from us. And they wanted to know more. They became students of the word and they became Christians and they remained 
and grew in faithfulness. That's a miracle, man. That's a miracle. One of the greatest miracles. I've seen several here. And so we need to be prayerful that we are speaking to the God who loves us. Speaking to the God who deeply cares about every concern. Is not speaking to the air. God hears your prayers. He knows every one. And so it's important for us to recognize when we, when we pray that God is going to answer. And I've shared this before, but it's so important that you understand it really is true. Now, I know that most, if not all of you, are deeply convicted that God is sovereign over all. And he is able to answer your prayers. And he will answer every one. Maybe not like you desire, but he will answer everyone. So when we go to prayer, we need to recognize as we enter into that very intimate personal relationship that as we come into that prayer closet or whatever that you, where you do your prayer, he'll answer. And you can wait and watch for the answer. And whatever the answer is, yes, no, or wait. Yes, no, or wait until I retool it a little bit so you get what you really need, right? But there's a huge blessing in that. If you really believe God and you ask that prayer in faith, knowing that he is able to deliver and he loves you more than anyone or anything, then you don't have to worry about it anymore. God's got you covered. Sharing oftentimes when I am worried, kind of overwhelmed by everything that's coming my way, she'll ask me, and I hate it when she does, but she's, she's a good helpmate. Hey, did you pray today? Well, honey, I had too much to do. That was the wrong answer. You got too much to do? Martin Luther said, I am so busy today, I have to pray an extra hour. Well, that's pretty amazing, actually, if you think about it. Because I'm so busy today, I can't even pray the hour that I normally do. But you know, he was right. Who's really going to get it done? Can God open doors that you can't open? Can God change circumstances that you can't change? Can God hold the sun still for 24 hours? And I'm throwing all this in here going, yes, 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 yes. And so remember that when you pray to God, it's taken care of for your best interest. Finally, I want to take a look at this, uh, this priority number four. Look, look at verse eight and nine. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Think about the amazing blessings you have in this world. Now, I have to be honest with you, and some of you might have had this experience before. It seems like people always want to go up and say, hey, how's it going, Bill? Uh, what do you think about this inflation? Hey, Bill, how's it going? What do you think about this crazy yada, yada, yada? Hey, Bill, did you know this? That's not encouraging. That's not encouraging. They're asking you to focus on the world and the disaster that the world is. 
We already know the world is a disaster. We don't be, need to be told to focus on it. What we need to have is people go, man, I so appreciate you for what you're doing. I appreciate your attitude. Appreciate your smile. Appreciate your encouragement. Appreciate your service. Appreciate your prayerfulness. Appreciate, we, that's what we should be doing. Not going, you know what they, I heard, I heard that we're going into a stagflation time. And you know what that means, don't you? I really don't. Because I don't want to be stagflation for the Lord. You know what stagflation is, just to throw it out there? It's where the economy is stagnant, and yet the prices are high. Okay? So can you, can you, can you be that way in your, your Christian life? You become stagnant, immobilized by worry, and then everything you do doesn't have a whole lot of value to it. The price is high. That means there's no value. So I don't want to know about stagflation. I want to know about how awesome it is that the Lord is in charge. The Lord's got this thing. If you're really worried, let me share a thought that I consistently think about when some of those news things bounce off my head. Yes, there's plenty of bad news out there. I always, I always think about Daniel and the lion's den. Or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego like you're talking about this morning. Or the guy that decided, oh, I don't want to preach, I'm going to run away. Jonah. Smart thing, Jonah. You think you'd run from God. He finally figures it out. The whale or whatever it was puked him up on the beach. And he says, okay, I'm going to go do what God wants me to do. And the blessings were huge. So be real careful here. Help the brethren set their minds on the good things, the awesome things. If someone asks you about, hey, well, I'm a little bit concerned. What do you think I should be doing in regards to this situation. What should you do? Well, read the news more and get more freaked out. That's really the best thing to do. No, that's not. There's other focus that we need. I'll tell you what, I'm going to use one real quickly here. Where it says here, you know, finally, brethren, whatever is of good reputation, whatever is of good reputation, just going to use a quick example. Liberty, can I use you as a positive example? Okay. Good reputation. This young lady has really made some gigantic strides and changes. She's become such an amazing, powerful woman of God in regards to her demeanor. Alan, you're a blessing to her as she is to you. But she is constantly in the mode of encouraging and it's not just me. I've seen her constantly in the mode of encouraging us. I mean, I've never seen her without a smile on her face since becoming a Christian. I don't think I've ever, I'm sure there's probably been days, but I've never seen it. She's constantly like a little butterfly. You know, it's pretty cool. She's come from a place into this place of being this an amazing Woman of God, I'm so thankful for that. You got a great reputation in my heart. And I know you do for the Lord. You say, why didn't you pick on me? I'll pick on you some other day. Okay? I should probably ask before I do, but it's just a sweet example. Brethren, it's so important for you to understand that we want to dwell on things like that. 
That's where we need to dwell, amen? The world's always been filled with bad news. It always has been filled with bad news. And the world will always have bad news because bad news sells. But we're not of this world, are we? Our citizenship is in heaven. Finally, I want to close with this. Practice, practice, practice the things you see in the scriptures. Practice, practice, practice the things you see in the scriptures. Because then people are going to come alongside and they're going to so appreciate the man or the woman that you are. Because once again, you'll put away that garbage of the world and you'll embrace the truth of God's word. And it'll become the sweet aroma, as Paul says, a sweet aroma of life to people. That's the power of the church. So are lots of things to be anxious about, lots of things to be worried about? The answer, of course, is yes. But God can and will take care of you. If you will use these tools, these priorities, seek first his kingdom, invest yourself in serving the brethren and those not yet Christians, rejoicing always, knowing that God is not going to allow anything into your life unless it's going to help you to grow. But you have to choose to grow and have the right attitude. Priority number three, pray, pray, pray. Know that God is going to answer that prayer and you can trust that prayer that he will answer it. And finally, let your mind dwell on the beautiful things that God has given to you. Preacher in Montana, let me close with this. A preacher in Montana once said, and he's also a rancher in Montana, by the way. It's about 250,000 acres. He goes, you know, one thing we have to be careful of when we ask for rain for our crops, not to complain when we get mud. (laughs) Wow, that's a pretty profound statement. You see, isn't that cool? He's an old rancher. (laughs) Steve Heinbaugh. Steve, I don't know if you're watching, but that was yours from this last family camp. You need to know, brethren, that when we have challenges, there's a rainbow, there's a blessing from God in that. And when the good times come, there's a blessing in that as well. All right, let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we're thankful that that you would work with us to, to focus our mind in the right direction and help us to be ones who are helping others focus their mind in the right direction. You know, when someone gets up to speak, compliment them, like the Bragg boys seem to be doing so often. Or when someone does something really awesome that you appreciate that shows the life of Christ, make sure you let them know that. When someone is struggling and yet they haven't given up the struggle, praise them for their fortitude and perseverance. In all these things, Father, what a great way to turn the focus upon ourselves and our struggles and put the focus on you and others. Help us to do that, Father, I pray, more and more and more as your return draws near, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's get up and get all excited. What did Jesus say to do? Said do. Go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings, King of Kings. All right, let's go get her done. Thanks once again for listening. 
To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.